dedicated to the DC Arrowverse on the CW network. It saved this city. A Flash and Arrow podcast. And now here's your host, Matt Murdick. And welcome to Save This City Podcast, episode 16 of the podcast. And right off, uh, sorry for the little bit of a delay of getting this episode out. Again, I'm a touring musician, so that's going to happen sometimes. This time we're covering The Flash, season 2, episode 14, Escape from Earth 2, and Arrow, season 4, episode 14, Code of Silence. My name, by the way, is Matt Murdick, and I am from SaveThisCityPodcast.wordpress.com. Remember that URL. Write it into your browser. Stop by where you can find things like all of the back episodes of this podcast in streaming or downloadable form. You can also find social media and contact links in case you want to submit feedback to me. You can also find podcatcher links where you can go to and subscribe on like iTunes or Stitcher or whatever podcatcher app you use. And while you're there, I'd really appreciate it if you'd take the time to leave me a written review and some stars so that I can see how you're feeling about this podcast. Plus, it helps me stay more noticeable. And I guess that's all I have to say about the podcast. I'm going to have a lot more to say about the Flash episode probably than the Arrow episode. So let's get to that first. The Flash, Season 2, Episode 14, Escape from Earth 2. It's a story written by Todd and Aaron Helbing and a teleplay by Dave Cobb, and it was directed by J.J. Maccaro. This episode uh, was actually a little overwhelming for me, and I'm sure I missed a ton of really good stuff. I've tried to jot down as much as I could, uh, but feel free to contact me on any of those contact links that you find at savethiscity.wordpress.com to let me know what I missed, and I'll be happy to share your feedback with the rest of our listeners. I guess let's talk about the Earth-1 stuff first. Gotta say, man, Geomancer was just kind of really disappointing to me, and and it really seemed to only have the purpose of there being a need to create the Velocity 9 um, and to make the Speed Cannon a problem yet again. Um, I don't understand why, given that he is a metahuman, that they didn't just put him in the Star Lab cells like they'd put everyone else in. I mean, have they run out of space? Uh, Granted, they would still have to keep those kinds of restraints on him in order to keep him from blowing Star Labs apart, probably. But it just kind of goes against everything else that they've done as far as metahumans go. I mean, Snart, Rory, Trickster, yes, they belong in a regular old jail cell, but... It seems like they've taken great care to keep the metahumans even isolated from um, the gel cells, maybe due to their abilities or whatever. But uh, maybe these cuffs are enough uh, to where they feel like they can put this guy in a general jail. But I, I just, I, I don't know. It, it didn't seem like a very satisfactory, seemed like a, a quick fix. Um, although I, I don't know why they have... All of these things, why don't they have these quick fixes for all of the metahumans? They figure out how to beat them. Why not just apply that technology to all the metahumans and then they could put them all in jail and wouldn't have to keep them being a danger around Star Labs. I mean, how many of those guys are sitting in there now? They could really cause a problem if if, uh, something were to happen. 
Maybe that's why they had to uh, move Geomancer out. I don't know. Um, then, as far as Jay goes, I mean, at the end, of course, we saw Zoom's arm phasing through Jay's chest, and, and that would seem to be the end uh, for anyone else, but this is Flash, so who knows. There's a big question, of course, of why Jay was mentioned by that other cage guy on Earth 2. And I'm going to get to that in a little bit. But I do want to say that closing the breach seems to make it impossible for Barry to return back to that guy like he promised. And he knew that was the plan. So why would he make that promise in the first place? Now, I I can definitely see the Velocity 9 itself that was developed serving a purpose in the future. I mean, if you follow the comics uh, at all, and I don't really, but uh, it's easy to read up on some of the stuff and how it relates to our current story. Um, you know that Wally and Jesse are a couple of characters that allegedly get speed force. It's sometimes. Will Velocity 9 be the way that they get those powers or continued variants from here on out of some kind of velocity drug? Um, it seems really weird to, to me to have Jay, if he is Jay, for a half a season continually lying or, or at least changing the truth and then disappearing from time to time. Um, if it's just to be the catalyst for Velocity 9, it, it just seems weird that that would be the only reason that he's here. But I kind of wonder if that is it. Um I know I was the one who was complaining that Jay wasn't really doing anything for me. Now I'm kind of complaining that they took him away, at least uh, rather suddenly. Um, But if there isn't more to that, then I don't know why we even had him in the first place. So I I have to hope that the whole Jay thing is a key to some larger mysteries. I will say um, that I did like what Jay's finals acts were. Um, saving the people from the building, that was cool. Creating the vortex so that Joe could reset the cannon, that was cool. So I guess what I'm trying to say is that if that was the end for Jay, who we think is Jay, um, then at least he went out more of a hero than he pretty much had been the whole season so far. But then you also have to think, where is this going to leave Caitlin? First of all, if Caitlin has any kind of reasoning at all, I would hope that you would think that she was thinking, Jay, what an idiot. Why are you standing so close to a breach before it was completely closed? <laughs> but but seriously, th- this is now two people that she was romantically had inclinations for, I guess. And she's lost them both in a year's time. So you have to wonder what this will do for her emotionally. I mean, I don't have any idea or any answer to that question or if it'll even be addressed. But I did feel for Caitlin uh, in that moment where Zoom's arm pulled Jay back through the closing breach. So we'll have to see uh, how she reacts to that uh, next week, I guess. I almost thought for a second, actually, that this might be Joe's last episode, too, because they killed him on Earth, too. Um, And he really was kind of in great peril at the end of this episode. They really played it up. You take into the fact that they'd also let the actor show off his singing talents in the last episode. I I was kind of flipping a coin, wondering if uh, uh, him and Jay would succeed or not, um, 
or would at least die in the succeeding. And of course, we got that from Jay. Now, as far as the breach itself being closed, um, that was the last one, right? And Barry had promised that other caged dude that he would come back for him. And Caitlin will want to believe that Jay is still alive and want to rescue him and throw in that Barry was still having Zoom problems in the Arrow Flash Forward episode. I mean, it seems pretty obvious that Barry and Gang are going to have to find some way to create another breach and get back over to Earth 2 at some point. And I guess that's all I really have to say about Earth 1 right now, so let's go to the Earth 2 stuff, and this is the biggie. What does the message that our masked friend in the cage, you know, what does that message that he was trying to give Barry mean? Given kind of the level of frustration that he showed when Barry assured the guy that Jay was fine on Earth 2, I mean, that seems pretty clear to me that he felt like Barry had misinterpreted him. Um, I wish we could have gotten more tapping from him, but then Zoom showed up and that kind of ended that. And it almost seemed like he'd kind of already given up when Barry was insisting that Jay Garrick was fine. So what did that mean? Did Does that mean that the man in the mask, that he was actually Jay Garrick? I mean, we know that Jay's doppelganger on Earth is named Hunter Zolomon, and I think comic book fans probably figured this out way before me due to the fact that Hunter Zolomon is the actual Zoom in the comics. Um, could the person that we think of as Jay... Uh, be Earth 2's Hunter Zolomon and not Jay Garrick himself, um, first of all. And then there's another theory that Screen Rant put out this week it, that says, if I understand it correctly, that Zoom is actually an older version of Jay Garrick. I think that's the way I read it. An older version of the guy in the cage, that the guy in the cage is Jay Garrick. Um, I'm going to leave a link uh, for that particular article for you in the show notes, because um, I'm not really sure if I even understand it completely, but you guys are a lot smarter than me. So I, I'd love to hear your own theories about what you think happened in this scene with this guy in the cage and, and what the whole Jared Garrick thing means, because it definitely seems crucial. Uh, I just don't know exactly what to make of it. And I got some tweets from my cohorts who are sometimes on the podcast as well, Donald and Camille. And Camille, if you want to follow her on Twitter, at Lady Oddity, she thinks that the Jay that we've been seeing is, in fact, a fake, and that the real Jay is in the cage. Um, however, Donald pointed out something, too, that I thought was real interesting, and if you want to follow him on Twitter, it's at DonaldJR. He pointed out that the Jay that we know as Jay, at least right now, no matter who he is or, or who he isn't, he really hasn't done anything evil, per se. And I myself questioned, as I pointed out earlier, whether the whole purpose of, of having this person that we currently know as Jay Garrick is just a reason to get the Velocity 9 drug um, so that it could be used for, for Jesse and Wally. But if we are following the comic book route, if, if the Velocity drug uh, is the same kind of drug that is in the comics from what I've read again I'm not a big comic book fan so I can't speak on this from any kind of authoritative uh, platform but it's evidently very dangerous and very addictive so I'm not so sure that we would want Wally or Jesse to actually use this drug even though 
Um, I don't really see any other way that they could become the speedsters like they are in the comic. Um, a lot more about um, the whole thing about velocity, whatever, and and time travel and all this other kind of stuff is laid out in that article. So while I'm not sure that I buy all of it or all of its conclusions, I, I definitely agree that whatever the Masked Man was trying to say to Barry is probably a big key uh, in the seasonal arc. And I'm not I'm sure I'm not telling you anything you don't already know. Um, but just wanted to make sure that I was with you on, um, on the same page as you guys, as far as that goes. Um, it might lead to the identity of zoom. Uh, it might lead to questions about Jay, uh, the person that we know is Jay. Um, I, and obviously isn't it convenient once again, that the guy with the answers is seemingly now on the other side of that last closed breach and. Uh, obviously, that points to the fact that Team Earth One is going to have to find some way uh, to create another breach somehow, unless Zoom does it for him because he's uh, he wants Barry's speed, as Jay says. Which I don't know even if that's um, all that strong anymore. Um, but anyway, uh, obviously, the Earth Two stuff is definitely not over. Also about Earth 2 this week, I have to say that Earth 2 Barry was funny and less annoying by the end of this episode than I suspected he would be uh, from the beginning of the Welcome to Earth 2 episode. Now, he was very helpful, of course, in getting Barry out of his own cage, our Earth 1 Barry, but I absolutely do not buy that a simple pep talk from him to our Earth One Barry uh, would be enough to help him phase through something that he couldn't pass through before. Given the not able to resonate or not resonating at the same frequency explanation uh, given for Cisco, vibe versus reverb, I mean, I buy that is the reason that Barry couldn't phase through in the first place, that he couldn't, he wasn't resonating at the same frequency. And I think Jesse even mentioned that in this episode. So I can't see how a few words isn't going to change Barry's frequency. It just doesn't seem right. Um, I don't know what the whole frequency thing is about. It's that seems to be a quantum physics thing that Barry couldn't change. And I kind of bought Jesse's explanation of that. The one kind of pass that I might be able to give about it is the fact that since both Barry's were in the same room, maybe that created some kind of quantum physics weirdness that would allow Barry to get through some kind of compromising resonance or something like that. Um, so I, I just didn't really buy that. Um, it's very tropic. It's very, you know, superhero speech. But the speech was good. I mean, despite being a trope, I mean, it was kind of a nice journey to see uh, happen for Earth 2 Barry to go from like snibbling, snibbler, way annoying dude um, at the beginning of last week's episode to someone who is at least willing to put his fears aside and help uh, in this week's episode, even even if it was as much to prove to his wife that he could do it as much as himself. Um the Earth 2 Iris, speaking of her, uh, she she kind of took a back seat 
in this episode compared to last week. And I have to say that I was a little disappointed in that. But what it did allow for was to give uh, Daniel Pennebaker, of course, a chance to really bring Killer Frost to life. Um, not that she didn't wasn't uh, big in last week's episode either, but I, I just thought that it was uh, we we saw a lot deeper impression of Killer Frost this week um, than kind of the on the surface baddie that we saw last week. And I lost track of how many double crosses there were for her in this episode. I mean, she double crossed somebody, and then she double crossed our guys, and then she double crossed Zoom. Um. And the one problem that I have with that is it only seemed to happen because it was convenient for the story uh, at the convenient time. Um, But in the end, I mean, whatever her motivation was, um, however many times she flipped back and forth, I I did enjoy the ride of it all. And I I loved Killer Frost's metal powers uh, and the distinctly different personality from the Earth One Caitlin that we got. The one commonality, uh, and I don't know why, maybe her and Reverb are closer friends and she would listen to Cisco uh, because he reminded her of Reverb, but um, Cisco's connection with Earth 2 Caitlin with Killer Frost, uh, I love that he was able to at least reach her at certain points um, in the episode. And I guess that's all I've got for the flash this week. I'm sure, like I said, I'm sure I missed a ton of stuff. So I'm kind of floating around between sound checks and everything and just trying to ramble off thoughts on the top of, off the top of my head. Um, but feel free to send me an email, save this city podcast at gmail.com, or you can tweet at save this city pod, or you can leave a voicemail by calling three, one, four, six, six, nine, one, eight, four, zero and point out, all of the things that I missed about this episode. Overall, I I found the episode had a lot less of that 40s overdone acting, which I kind of liked, so I was a little bit disappointed in that. But um, this was much more of the action and mystery episode than last week's, which was much more of a, an establishment episode. Um, so even though I feel like that breaks continuity a little bit, um, that could just be a difference in, in the directors. So I, I won't, I won't, uh, ride on that too hard. It, it was a fun, pretty insane episode. I didn't really care about the geomancer again, really at all. Um, I'll, I'll go with an 8.7 to 8.8 again this week, just like last week. I enjoyed both parts a lot and I think they both as a whole, uh, fit together in that. So I don't want to um, I don't really can't really say that this episode was any better or worse than the part one. It just um, was different. So let's move on to the Arrow episode, season four, episode fourteen, Code of Silence. This one written by Wendy Miracle and Oscar Balderrama, and it was directed by James Bramford. Or is that Bamford? I think it, uh, if it's Bamford, then he's got the same name as a pretty famous author. Anyway, speaking of that, first of all, just let me say that all of these collapsing building shots, they were fantastic. The one with daddy and Laurel Lance, uh, being the first one really surprised me. Uh, And then it made me remember who the director was. Um, I, I love that they had a set big enough to where they only had to do maybe one or two edits 
for the whole sequence. It made it feel a lot more real. And the other ones were great, too. I mean, there were lots of stunts in this episode. And again, you might expect that from Bamford or Bramford or whatever his name is, because he's the stunt coordinator for Arrow. And this is the second episode that he's directed. Um, and he's really making these shots not only with great action, but like I mentioned when he debuted as a director, the way he makes the camera move makes you feel like you're actually in the in a building with these guys and and the long shots are just chocked full of all kinds of stuff and that that's just super great plus even just the opening sequence i mean when you think about that with with dark's wife and and them trailing her uh, that was pretty awesome in itself And, and the thea stuff getting the laptop that was all great all of the debate hall sequences that was all great um I don't know if Bamford would have been my first choice for directing a second episode so shortly after his very first one, but he he's really done a pretty spot on job so far. So I got to give kudos to the, the franchise, the showrunners uh, and all of the writers for having faith in him, giving him the trust and giving him stuff to work with. And of course to him for not betraying that trust. Good spot on. Can't wait to see more episodes from you hopefully in the future. Um, this episode, thematically, of course, is obviously all about the secrets and the price you're going to pay for keeping them, uh, at least on the present day side. And first, you have this whole Lance Smoke thing going on. Um, we definitely have Dark trying to eliminate Captain Lance, uh, which spawns the whole, do I tell you the truth or do I not tell you because the truth might endanger you question. I thought the Mama Smoke and Daddy Lance scenes were just fine. I did love the whole awkward thing between Laurel and and Daddy Lance about wanting to have dinner with them before the building came down. And while I'm not really invested in the relationship between Mama Smoke and Daddy Lance, I mean, all that much more than just having it for pure humorous entertainment. I'm still waiting on that table scene where all the kids and all the mom and mommy and daddy are sitting around. It's going to be super awkward. They got to have that. They just have to have that. Um, but I, I did find that all of the scenes between, uh, Charlotte Ross and, and Paul Blackthorne were, were, they were great. Um, and I always now at least appreciate the Charlotte Ross performances. I didn't always, I will admit that, um, she seemed kind of annoying at first, but she was all right. And, and she's grown on me a lot this season because they've gone from the whole uh, just dits to uh, much more smart talking um, over the course of the episode she's been, been in. And one of the things that was so great about this episode was that scene uh, at the police station where she went basically from sex kitten to total BS detector. I mean, th- I thought that was great. And I guess as far as they go themselves, as far as secrets go, since we find out by the end of the episode, he tells her everything. The truth kind of sets them free, right? Um, There's another secret keeper, a minor secret keeper in this episode, and that's Curtis. But, you know, he's simply holding, Curtis is just holding his secret simply for the sake of surprise and because he wants to make sure that it works. He, I guess in a way he's trying to keep from hurting Felicity himself because he doesn't want to hurt her feelings until he's sure that he can make it work. And of course he has to drink a lot of coffee 
uh, in order to make sure that he can make it work when he springs a surprise. But man, that scene got me. Um, Curtis working so hard to find a way for Felicity to walk again. That was just a super moment. And um, that that was something that was really cool to put in this episode. And, and, and it made me like Curtis even more. And um, again, Echo and Emily, they just really knocked that scene out of the park. So I loved that. And then, of course, the big secret is Oliver and his secret about William that's hanging out there. And I love it when Thea suspects that her brother's up to something and does her own digging, especially when you consider that Oliver didn't really play off her original inquiry very well. So, of course, that would tip her off. She knows her brother. And when she finally confronts Oliver about it, her reasoning to keep the secret that actually seems just as logical as everybody else's advice to Lance to tell the truth. Um, I did really like that scene uh, between uh, Oliver and Thea. I thought Amel and, and Holland, they, they brought their A-game to that one. I really liked it. I, I like the secret scenes when the secrets are revealed and, and they're big ones. Um, because it seems like everybody in this cast does a pretty good job of of making those moments have weight. and it, And so... By the time you get to the end of them, while you sit there and complain about all of the secret keeping going on throughout the course of every season, um, they do deliver well. They do pay them off well when the truth comes out. And I guess because this episode was really focused on Oliver's secret about William, I really expected the bomb to drop at the very end of this episode, but we didn't get it. Instead, we saw Dark setting up, you know, getting Oliver exactly where he wants him by orchestrating the the whole car accident with William's mom. And then now he has William basically in his home. So the bomb drop is definitely coming probably sooner rather than later. I think if I looked at next week's preview, uh, it will show something about that. It has to. And all of these eventually revealed secrets that you could say that some of that might point to the flash forward stuff as much as I would hate for it to be so obvious. It's starting to look that way, but you could say that Felicity is in fact wheelchair free in the flash forward because of this whole Curtis tech stuff. Uh, Well, I mean, let's go back to that. Actually, she could still be unable to walk because Curtis's tech failed or because they haven't done the procedure yet. It's just that we didn't see any evidence of a wheelchair anywhere in that flash forward so far. So that's why I say that. You could also say that the reason that she's not wearing the engagement ring is because of this William secret being dropped, which um, we'll have to see if that all is uh, comes to fruition or not. But um, yeah, it all it all at least at this point is pointing in that direction. Now, here is something that is kind of interesting about uh, the whole dark stuff and and the dark inner circle stuff this week. I mean, obviously, we found out last week, Merlin told Dark about William. Obviously, Dark now has William. But Merlin doesn't seem to have revealed to Dark that Oliver is the Green Arrow. Why is that? I mean, is he doing it because he feels like that's how he can protect Thea a little bit? Obviously, Thea is still going out against all of Dark's people all the time, so I don't know why he would think that. Is it because he wants to save his revenge on Oliver for himself? Um, That doesn't seem real likely either, because if that were the case, wouldn't he want to stop Dark from the whole debate 
building collapse. I'm not sure that we heard everything that Oliver and Merlin talked about in the past when they've talked about the whole power thing last week or, or what's going on exactly. So could it be that Oliver has dispatched Merlin on this long con? Would he be so insane as to risk his own son, William, uh, just to play a long con on, uh, for Merlin to be dark, uh, you know, be on the inside with dark or even if Oliver is unaware, I mean, maybe Merlin is playing his own long con either out of, um, some kind of guilt or maybe out of greed, maybe to try and control hive himself eventually since he's lost the league now. I mean, any possible reason as far as Merlin as to why he hasn't mentioned that Oliver is a green arrow, or maybe there's a scene off screen somewhere where Merlin did tell dark and that'll be a reveal later on. Um, I just think that, as someone who is a father and who has lost a son, um, maybe that is how he's, he's planning on getting his ultimate revenge on Oliver. But I would think that he would want to take Oliver down before he would potentially harm an innocent kid. Um, especially if he really does love Thea the way that he says he does. Um, but everything with Merlin is always up in the air. As for the flashbacks, I, I guess this whole you have to be a monster to fight monsters stuff. Um, that's one way that maybe they could steer Oliver back to that darker self that returns from the Island at the beginning of season one. But it really seems like this girl that he saved kind of sends mixed messages from week to week to serve, not even really the story of the flashbacks, but just what kind of action they need in the flashbacks from week to week. Because it seems like just an episode ago that him coming clean was was the big thing. And now she wants him to kill again. And it's for this whole prophecy thing that Richter keeps putting out there, or Richter, or however you say his name. The the more mystical mumbo, um, just it's just piling on. And it's just to pile on just to get to the end of the season tie-in to whatever's going on in current day uh, Star City. I really don't have a whole lot of interest in it. You just kind of, you know, check that box, check that box until we get to where it leads. Uh, I do have to admit that the one thing I did like about this flashbacks this week was that uh, Conklin getting his just desserts. That was kind of satisfying for me. And all in all, it was a pretty great episode for action, definitely. Uh, For the story-wise, it just seemed like another uh, setting up the big drop of, of the whole William son thing. Um, I did like all of the great action shots and, and the fact that we did get the William stuff um, made this week's episode at least a little bit better for me than last week's episode was for me. So I'm going to go 8.2 with this week's episode. And that's all I have for you. Uh, again, uh, I apologize for the podcast coming out a little late. I'm kind of bouncing around. I'm on tour I'm trying to find times when I can actually record and hopefully um, that's not too distracting for you if there's been any background noise or anything like that. Um, But I do thank you for taking the time to listen to me. Remember, if you want to pat me on the back, which, you know, I expect would be the least amount of feedback I would get. Or if you want to uh, holler at me um, about any of my thoughts or my train of thought, um, feel free to send it email 
to save this city podcast at gmail.com. Or uh, if you're on Twitter, uh, hit me up on Twitter at save this city pod. Or if you just want to, if you're one of the few people in the world who still actually uses a phone to make a phone call rather than just send a text, feel free to dial 314-669-1840. And I'll be happy to share what you have to say to me with the rest of the world, no matter how nice or how mean, uh, I can take it. I'm I've, from being wrong about so many things so many times, I've gotten thick skin. So feel free to send it to me. And next Tuesday, hopefully, if I can keep my schedule straight, I will give you a review of the Legends Season 1, Episode 5, episode entitled Fail Safe, and the Supergirl Season 1, Episode 14, Truth, Justice, and the American Way episode. So until Tuesday... Thanks for listening, and take care. Find all back episodes and all contact links at savethiscitypodcast.wordpress.com. If you have feedback, you can leave a voicemail by calling 314-669-1840 or send email to savethiscitypodcast at gmail.com or tweet us at savethiscitypod. Please leave the podcast a written review on whatever app that you use. 